0: Files of schlock and all. Welcome to Flesh Noir, the home of the straight-to-video erotic
1: thriller. Here are your hosts, Maddie Budrevich and Dave Wayne. Sex.
2: Sex.
0: I went in for this hour-long meeting with Roger Corman, and Roger is just a spellbinder. If he wasn't a filmmaker, he could have been a hypnotist, because he is just mesmeric to talk to. He has an intonation that just kind of gets you to wherever he wants you. So he spoke, very cultured, very literate, very fluent, commanding and expressive. And he spoke, and he spoke, and he spoke, and he told me vividly how he wanted a movie exactly like Fatal Attraction, all while never actually saying the words Fatal Attraction. Some words from Jack Canson, aka screenwriter Jackson Barr. Hello, my name is Dave Wayne, and to my right, as always, is Matty Budrevich. Hello. And welcome to the first episode of Flesh Noir, our journey through the direct to video erotic thrillers of the 1990s. And what a place to start! And it's almost like shooting our load too (laughs) early. Um, So please join us for this premature ejaculation because we're starting with the benchmark. The Body Chemistry Series.
1: Absolutely. Which is, for my money, the absolute best that the director Video Erotic Thriller has to offer.
0: Without doubt. Without doubt. So let's go back then to Jack Canson. And he's sat in front
1: of Roger
0: Corman. Who is he and why is he there?
1: (laughs) Well, Jack Canson, or as you say, if you're well versed in Full Moon, you will know him by the name of Jackson Barr. Yeah, screenwriter
0: for Uh, subspecies, seed people for those that don't mm -hmm.
1: know. And he had been kicking around Hollywood since the late 70s. Mm. Originally, him and his writing partner at the time, they were developing a vehicle for Richard Pryor. And it was called I Was a Negro for the FBI, which in Canson's words, it was a retro-topical race relations comedy. So they got two drafts into this script over at Columbia... When tragedy struck, Mm. Uh, long story short, Richard Pryor, while freebasing on cocaine, set himself on fire.
0: These things happen.
1: They do, they do. Uh, And during his recovery, the project just completely fell apart. Everyone at Columbia agreed that this comedy was so zany and so out there and so... Aggressive in how it challenged racial perceptions and things like that—that that only Richard Pryor, at the peak of his powers, could have done it. Mm-hmm. So Canson kicked around town some more, um, and he he needed a job basically. Yeah. Um, at the time, his wife was pregnant, um, his son was about to be born, and so he wrote a movie called Nowhere to Run or Ah, what would ultimately be called Nowhere to Run Mm, now mm. that's not to be confused with the Jean-Claude Van Damme (laughs) film instead it's a sort of small town thriller from 1989 and he wrote that during the 80s writers strike for the Writers Guild of America Mm -hmm. and what happened was in order to get the film made he decided to pitch it to Julie Corman Mm. Roger's wife Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so she loved the script And as it turned out, Corman loved it as well. The film got made, and fast forward a couple of months, Roger Corman, in the wake of *Fatal Attraction*'s tremendous, tremendous success at the box office, um, critically, with audiences, all that jazz, Corman wanted to make a *Fatal Attraction* knockoff.
0: Right, because I mean that film took over three hundred million at Mm -hmm. the box office from a budget of fourteen million. Yes, so you can see why he wanted a piece of that pie.
1: Completely. So, the original plan was that Corman had just finished producing a film called Braindead.
0: Yeah, the Adam Simon film. Yes,
1: exactly. And Simon was a first approach to direct a proposed Fatal Attraction knockoff, mm-hmm. but he declined. But we'll get to him a bit later on. <laughs> and the plan was. That this fatal attraction knockoff was going to have a bit of a sci-fi vibe to it or at least a medical one because the Uh the lab sets that they'd created for brain dead they were going to be as is cormans practiced repurposed (laughs) and they were going to be repurposed and used for this then untitled fatal attraction knockoff yeah however that didn't happen uh, Simon and the film and Braindead's production designer Catherine Hardwick they decided to tear the sets down so you know Braindead would maintain a sort of singular look. Mm. Obviously, much to Corman's chagrin. It seriously <laughs> irritated him by all accounts. But whatever, he was still pressing on with this fatal attraction knockoff. Yeah. So it was pitched to Canson. Canson went, he took it and he came up with a similar scenario. To fatal attraction, and his his argument was well, that he didn't want the female lead, the sort of villain of the piece, to be as much of a um, an injured bird was mm, his expression. Mm. Like Glenn Close's his character in Fatal Attraction, yeah. he wanted someone more dangerous, he wanted someone edgier, and he wanted him a little bit more psychotic. Mm-hmm.
3: If you want to end a relationship, you had better do it properly and give me the damn common courtesy that I deserve! We're I know! Everything was perfect, the sex was hot, dangerous, better than it's ever been with anyone before! Why do you want to ruin it? You need me, Tom. No! I've the real you inside me! I'm finished! Accepted, it. it's over! It's not over!
1: You can't just walk out, Tom! You can't! So, he came up with the outline for the film that became Body Chemistry. During development, a director by the name of Christine Peterson was brought on for the project. Peterson, she'd entered the Corman fold off the back of working at Francis Ford Coppola's uh, American Zoetrope. And she was inspired to contact Corman and to get in with the Corman crowd through the stories that she'd heard from Coppola. Who, right. of course, that's where he cut his exactly, teeth yeah. under, under yeah. Corman's auspicious gaze. Mm-hmm. So Peterson, she enters Corman's fold. She works behind the scenes on Chopping Mall, um, and then she eventually makes her directorial debut in 1988 with a slasher movie called Deadly Dreams, mm-hmm. which is excellent, by the way, well worth seeking out. Absolutely. Corman liked it and decided that you know what, for my Fatal Attraction knockoff, Body Chemistry. <laughs> Christine Peterson, she she's the girl for the job. Boldness. So, she gets involved, mm. and she takes Canson's script, mm. responds to it, meets with him a few times, and her plan at that point is to spice it up mm. a little bit. She wanted to bring her own interests to the project, as any good director should. Yeah. So, what she brought to it was, she took the the idea of a man having an affair and just liking the sex that he was getting mm. and she was the one who put what we'll go on to discuss, the BDSM and like SNM and kinkier elements to it. Yeah. And she did that in conjunction with a guy called Tom Babes, who mm-hmm. had co wrote Deadly Dreams yeah. with her. And so that is how we end up with body chemistry.
0: Which is incredible. It's an incredible story of how we got here, and it's an incredible similarity to Fatal attraction. You know, let, let's be honest about it. It's mm-hmm. a, the Menage a Trois is it's interesting, but there's a lot of differences. Uh, you know, let's talk about the cast. You got Lisa Pescia, mm-hmm. the phenomenal Lisa Pescia. We should dwell on Lisa Pescia for quite some time, shouldn't mm-hmm. we? I yes, mean, we should. she she's she she makes the film because yeah. There's something about her. I know we'll go on in this episode to speak about the various incarnations of her character, Doctor Claire Archer, mm-hmm. but they can't be. Ta- she can't be topped, can she? No,
1: no. She is. She's astounding. She mm. really, really is. She looks phenomenal on, a, yeah. on, a, on an aesthetic level. She's absolutely stunning to look at. Mm-hmm. Her performance is absolutely fantastic it is so shaded so nuanced she goes from you know like she, she has the whole dynamic of a woman scorned yeah okay yeah. and she she goes from vulnerable to ferocious with everything in between it really is an incredible turn and and for my money probably one of the best performances in the entire erotic thriller spectrum, not just necessarily the direct-to-video ones either. My wife will be driving up any minute, for
3: God's sake. No one can see us back here. I thought you might want to celebrate your success. I passed a rental car agency. And I saw this. It gave me a terrific idea. Now? I can't think of a better time. Are you crazy? You must be out of your mind. I can't do this in front of my own house. Mm, I don't think you're going to have any
0: trouble at all. And, you know, she wasn't a named actress, so to speak. No, she came no. from TV. This was effectively her first feature film,
2: mm-hmm. which
0: makes it all the more remarkable. Um, I mean, obviously she was acting opposite... Mark Singer who he compliments her yeah and
1: really? he's he's effectively playing the Michael Douglas character mm. isn't mm. he but of course when we go on about how much body chemistry is indebted to fatal attraction and stuff in terms of the whole affair woman scorned yeah. type set up the woman trying to ruin his life all that mm-hmm. thing Singer, he's actually much better than Michael Douglas in Fertile Attraction not just in terms of performance either, in terms of how his character it's you know, body chemistry, what I like about it, it's not afraid to address the fact that adultery isn't a symptom of your missus putting, not putting <laughs> out enough, you know, which is basically the through line to Fertile Attraction like, yeah, yeah. hey, none of this shit would have happened if she'd have fucked Michael Douglas a bit more <laughs> Whereas in Body Chemistry and Singer's Part, it makes it very, very clear that he has sought out this sort of, you know, this, this extramarital affair. He's sought out wanting sex on the sly with mm-hmm. someone who he works with. And they're not afraid to make him look like a bit of a dick. Yeah. Even though yeah. he's a very relatable dick and he does succumb to weaknesses that really most hot-blooded heterosexual Men would succumb to mm, because, mm. quite frankly, if Lisa Pescia was hitting on me, I would have done the same.
0: <laughs> but the, the funny thing is that, you know, Singer tends to play, or certainly in this film, um, both nervous and guilty with ease. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think he plays in a manner that is more relatable than Michael Douglas's character in Fatal mm. Attraction. Mm. And you you empathise with him a bit more. Fatal Attraction dabbled with. with with the whole psychology of mm. affairs and things like that. But body chemistry just it takes it to an it's dark. Yes. It's really, yeah. really it's dark. It's
1: not afraid to dig in deep to it. I think as well as as much of that as as brilliant as Canson's script is, you know, you do have to give a lot of credit to Christine Peterson, there the mm. film's director, because as she, she's since gone on to become a psychoanalyst. Yeah. And one thing that does sort of characterise, that typifies her work, is that she has this real fixation on character. Even something as relatively innocuous as like Critters 2, uh, Critters no, Critters 3, sorry. Mm-hmm. Even something as relatively innocuous as Critters 3, that she'd go on to direct the year after Body Chemistry. That's a lot more character-focused than it has any right to be.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think Mary Crosby's got a lot of similarities to uh, Anne Archer Mm -hmm. in respect to um, uh, the wife of Mark Singer, both in terms of looks and in terms of demeanour. She's kind of homely Mm. in some respects, and she obviously gains your immediate sympathy. I mean, she doesn't twig for a good while, doesn't she? Mark Singer is a terrible liar. Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) But what's what's really, really... Cool about that side of it as mm. well is that all throughout her character, she's make she's hitting on singer mm. all the time, you know, she's making overtures about wanting to stay in bed and have sex all day while their <laughs> young son is out the house and things like that. Yeah. You know, she's seen as someone who's not just in love with her husband, oh, yeah. but she's still very much attracted to them as well. Yeah. You know, and so there's never a sense there, as, as, as I've said, there's never this sense that, oh, well, he's only going after her because his wife's not putting out. And I think that is the strongest suit of body chemistry.
0: I like the way it mixes the dynamic of simple and complex because mm. there is real simplicity in, in some of the scenarios. Say, for example, the, the underwear that gets left behind at the laboratory which they're working. Mm. That's just that's a, such a simple scenario Mm. of him having to get back to the lab um, to hide the underwear that will give the game away as to what he's doing. Mm -hmm. That's simple. It's tense. But there's also the added complexity of the relationship that he begins with Pesha. And by complexity, I mean, you know, where they go with that. It's very fetishistic. Mm. You know, Mm. I mean, that's that's not normal for no, a no. straightforward DTV film. You don't expect that. You don't expect that level of depth in, reta- in regard to its um, mm. you know, sexual desires. Yeah. Especially so, with it becoming a, a, at the start of the cycle. You would oh, think that yeah. it, would, it would take a more sort of genteel vanilla, as we used in yeah, our yeah. original episode, Triple Zero. Um, you would think that it would make take a more uh, relaxed... Especially in 1990 as well. Mm. But
1: it doesn't. Yeah, it's more... The whole idea of body chemistry, the basic setup is that Mark Singer mm. plays a scientist who's researching sexual response yeah. at some company or university type setting. Mm-hmm. Into that scenario comes Lisa Pescia's Claire Archer character, who mm. is an expert in that field
0: but she has money behind her doesn't she yes, that's the thing yes, that they, they need that contract
1: yeah they need to work with her in order to get the sort of prestige and the uh, the, the money that comes with mm, her and all mm. that jazz so she comes it as an expert in the field is immediately taken with Mark Singer's character and they begin an affair
3: where have you been
1: hi honey I'm sorry, I didn't mean to wake you up.
3: I must have called you 50 times. What happened? We were supposed to have dinner. Oh, God, I'm sorry. I forgot I got hung up at the lab. I was working in the back with Dr. Pritchard and the phones don't ring back there.
1: Now, with all of that, all like the sort of the lab stuff and the ideas that they're researching, sex and violence, that is a key component in body chemistry's plot Hmm. and that is part of the sex scenes which as you say it is complete it's very s&me you know there's a lot of there's a lot of tying up there's a lot of roughness to the sex shower scene the shower scene yeah where how how many other movies you know do you see what basically mark singer getting his arsehole fingered in the shower (laughs) And that is it's real, you know, it's strong stuff. It's yeah. a very, very, it's very, very strong erotica I mean, there with a real subtle. kinky edge, but the subtlety yes, to it subtle. as well. Yeah, but at the same time, you know, that's what it's dealing with, mm-hmm. and it's really cool that it links in all the S and M stuff with the shifting power dynamic, where you know within seconds of. As of, of Claire Archer seducing Mark Singer's character, you know that she has all the cards. Yeah. You know that it's more than just, excuse the awful pun, a fatal attraction. You know, <laughs> you know it's more than just because she's offering a bit of Rumpy Pumpy on the sly. It's because mm. she's offering an entire world of erotic intrigue and different forms of sexual expression that are so far and away removed from what he probably gets from his wife.
0: Let's speak about the, the look of the film, because it, the director of photography is someone really well-known. It's it's feeding Papa Michael, mm-hmm. yes. who is... Oh, I mean, I love the way he, he shot this film. Because to me, if you watch Phil Attraction, I don't think the extramarital stuff feels particularly sinister. It feels more joyous and more sort mm. of, yeah, come on, Michael, get it on with Glenn Close on the sink.
1: Yeah, there's, a, there's definitely, there's a but, sense of excitement to it in
0: Fairly. Exactly. Actually. But here, there's a real seediness. Every sex scene is shot very dimly, very darkly. Mm. And it's like, under the cover of darkness. There's a secrecy to it. Mm. Uh, and I think he does a great job. But he's had a great career. I mean, he was working for comment at the time, wasn't he? He mm-hmm. just um, yeah, yeah. shot Stripped to Kill 2. Mm-hmm. I uh, want to shoot you know, crazy stuff, That even today, um, stuff like Le Mans 66. I mean, high end stuff, the, the uh, Chicago 7 film for, for Aaron Sorkin. But it's also worth um, seeking out the, the films he directed as well. He, he directed Sketch Artist uh, mm-hmm. back in 92, which was a great TV movie. Uh, and also a really awesome um, horror movie that he did in uh, the mid noughties called From Within, which is excellent. I really do recommend that. But I think he brings. A real style to it. I mean, obviously Christine Peterson um, mm. dictates it. Yeah, but I think I think yeah. she I think she needs him to really. Yeah,
1: uh... that, that is it. It's very the great thing about the sex scenes here is that they they do work on two levels. Mm. You know, they are very very hot. They are very very spicy. Mm. You know, it's real strong stuff. And as far as the rest of the Body Chemistry series goes, no other entry has been as you know exotic as it is in here. But at the same time, no, no other entry has ever quite captured how it shows, it's like the visual representation of Singer's guilt, yeah. each sex scene, that he knows that he shouldn't be doing this. Mm-hmm. and But he knows at the same time that he's absolutely hooked on Pescia's character. He's absolutely hooked on Claire Archer. And it's great how every single one of those sex scenes is so oppressively lit and mm. so, like, almost nightmarishly, so.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, there's, there's a real noirish kind of theme to the whole film. But it was interesting to read that quote that you got. I think it was about the way the character of mm. Claire Archer mm. was dressed. Yeah. And it was the opposite to the conventional femme fatale. Mm. You know, she was very beige, wasn't she? Very drab, not the archetypal red lipstick and. You know, mm. sexy clothing. It was more of a subtle.
1: Yeah, yeah. There is, there is a great. It's, you know, like, as good as Glenn Close's in mm. Fatal Attraction, she does become very over the top. You know, she and she is very shrewish to begin with, I, yeah. I always think. Mm-hmm. Whereas Pescia's performance here, it's a much more gradual turn. into madness and obsession and that again there's a lot of clever stuff in terms of in terms of the subtlety to the makeup on her where as she, you know, her face starts to like contort as the film goes on and it becomes much more angular and more shaded and more frightening to look at mm. as it goes through and it's all very very subtle Like even me explaining it now probably makes it sound a lot more obvious than it actually is yeah. because it took me a couple of times of watching Body Chemistry over the years mm. to actually notice how much her face changes as it goes on and she becomes much more of like a, a bogeyman type presence as she's just systematically going about destroying Singer's character's life.
2: Excuse me, Dr. Redding, but Dr. Archie's on the phone for you again.
1: I told you
3: to tell her that I'm not here.
2: I did, but she won't take no for an answer. I don't know what to do.
0: Yeah, I think it's encapsulated in that final sequence, the party scene, mm. which is just... I love that sequence. Mm,
2: mm.
0: I mean, my favourite bit of that is actually revolves around um, Mary Crosby's character, you know, who is Mark Singer's wife in the film, and just this moment where Claire Archer and Singer's character are having this this kind of fierce argument in the, mm. in the garden, and then she appears at the uh, sort of French window, and the camera just gently gently pans into her face mm. and she just says
3: hello everybody
0: and it's just wonderful it's just you know it's the antithesis of the fireworks and all hell breaking loose
1: just that calmness mm. and I think that is what I mean really that is an incredible scene it's yeah. the, the penny dropping moment yeah. when she yeah. realises that her husband has been has been fucking as character mm-hmm. and and the heartache on her face mm. is magnificent at that point, and and even Singer's expression—you know, this sort of oh shit and this rapid mm. backtracking that he tries to do—you know that and that feeling that hangs over the whole film. Mm-hmm. This this quiet fizzing dread, and it's wonderful, and you can't look away from it though, because ultimately Pescia's performance is so mesmeric. You know that. If she wanted to get her claws into you, there is nothing you could do about it. No. You are stuck in the spider's web and she is bringing you in.
0: Well, we see that from Freddy, who, of course, is Stinger's character's best friend work colleague because when Freddy arrives at the party, he has Lisa Pescia in tow mm-hmm. because, again, she's got her claws into him just to enable her to get to this, this, this do. But, I mean, we mentioned it briefly earlier on. But how revolutionary is that ending? You know, just the fact that he doesn't get away with it. Mm. And the fact that we've seen so often, as you say, in films like Fatal Attraction, mm. that, you know, Douglas is... Douglas somehow goes back to his wonderful marriage with and everything's an Archer, to, and yeah, everything yeah, is fine.
1: But that, that, of course, that ending for Fatal Attraction, it was that was studio mandated. Yes. That came about from mm-hmm. test screens, mm-hmm. as we all know. But... Yet the ending for body chemistry is very very uncompromising. Yeah. You know, but then that is a trend that continues throughout the entire series and more power to every to, to each entry because it it just works. I love the fact that the Claire Archer character is continually out there. Mm. And that is a lot more. You know, you hear all these anecdotal stories about how people had you know, go up to Glenn Close after Fatal Attraction, say, oh, thank you, your, your film saved my marriage because you scared me off women for life, you scared yeah. me off straight. Pescia, she would actually scare the bejesus out of you a lot more than Glenn Close would because that, she is ferocious. She's without doubt the MVP of the film, coupled with uh, Peterson's direction and a very, very clever script. Veronica, have you ever heard that old saying today's the first day of the rest of your life?
3: Well, forget it, Vicky, because things can only get better. Today's the worst day of the rest of your life. Am I right? Wrong, Dr Edwards. This is the worst day of the rest of your life.
0: Okay, cool. So let's go back to Adam Simon, who we mentioned at the start of the uh, first Body Chemistry, because he was involved in that. How did he come to work on the second film?
1: Well, the first Body Chemistry, it's even though it found its greatest audience, Mm. obviously in the looser sense of the word, because it (laughs) soon disappeared and has been sadly forgotten by time, by and large. But even though it is a direct-to-video erotic thriller and should be considered as such, it should be noted that in America, Mm. it did get a brief theatrical release in March 1990. Right, okay. Corman's practice at the time, he was still unsure... Of home video and cable TVs viability as a sole source of income, right, and Exposure okay. for a film, mm. so he would for the first few years of the nineties, before he realised, oh my God, VHS really is making money hand over fist here. He would give a, a nominal release in some like small cinema somewhere. Yeah, yeah. So that's where Body Chemistry played, and it lands on video, and it goes on to make a shitload of money because you know people that's what they were renting. These are the movies that they were renting at the time. So Body Chemistry 2, Voice of a Stranger, comes about, and that comes about because Corman sees the numbers, he gets his representatives to ring up uh, Jack Canton again, Canton mm-hmm. comes up with a scenario, and then, almost instantaneously, Adam Simon, who had impressed the boss and a bunch of other people mm-hmm. under Corman's like, leadership with Braindead... Yeah asks Simon to direct this one. As we mentioned, he was in the running to direct the first film. So they come to him to do Body Chemistry 2. Simon agrees, and away they go.
3: I'm not going to exploit it, Chuck. I want to make your listeners aware of the biochemical changes in their bodies and how that affects them so they can better learn to accept themselves. Claire, that's what bothers me. Biochemical changes. It's just chemistry, Chuck. Simple body chemistry.
0: Obviously, we've got a returning Lisa Pescia. Mm -hmm. She's evolved as a character, hasn't she? Mm -hmm. Because she is now a radio psychologist, or she becomes Mm -hmm. a radio psychologist as the film uh, starts off because uh, poor old John Landis (laughs) 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 uh, gets sacked from his uh, position at the station, uh, KSAV, and the station manager, played quite uh, intriguingly by uh, notorious uh, Pre Springer talk show arse, uh, <laughs> Morton Downey Jr., he plays uh, Big Chuck, the station manager. He hires um, Dr. Claire Archer to do this sort of graveyard shift of a talk show. And on Cheers, is, you because know, talk, talk radio at the time was big Oliver Stone film, talk mm-hmm. radio, very yeah, yeah. Pagosian. Um, and it really does, um, it's a different pitch. To the whole thing, you know, if if you were to watch them back to back, mm-hmm. and you didn't know the titles of the two films, you, you'd struggle to see they were connected in in some respects, wouldn't you?
1: Yes, yes, completely. It's a very Body Chemistry Two is a very very different mm. flavour from mm. the first uh, movie. Yeah, it is still extremely good, and to be perfectly honest, as much as I love the first Body Chemistry, as much mm-hmm. as I think that film is a masterpiece mm. of its kind. Um, I do think that depending, my my feelings of which one I like between that and number two changes on the day. Right, okay. <clears throat>
0: because, uh, I mean, it seems to do... A lot of the things it does is the opposite of what Body Chemistry 1 does. Yeah. For example, yeah. I mentioned in, in the, the last segment how um, they, they were purposefully trying to create this anti-noir-noir. Mm-hmm. But here, I mean, one yeah. of the first... Things you see is, is kind of this. Um, well, the first woman we see is a red dress and flame hair, mm. and then we've got the, all
1: that or light, yeah. And stuff like the that. headlight,
0: yeah, yeah. the road markings, the fags. You know, of obviously, you know, Martin Danny Dean is a notorious was a notorious smoker, and yeah, so sort of the, the all the the, the, the tropes of a film noir are here and present, even mm-hmm. even as, um, as as Claire Archer is being interviewed in Big Chuck's office. Mm. You know, it's just the whole slattered blind mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, and the you,
1: whole double indemnity kind. Yeah, of thing. you yeah. imagine that you need it, to it have is, his sort of
0: trilby or whatever it is. Uh, yeah,
1: on? it is more. Um, it is more explicitly Noari. Yeah, uh, and as you say, that was something that Christine Peterson had actively tried to avoid in mm. the first film. Um, with number two, though, I'm guessing that a lot of these. Heavy stylizations. Mm. I think a lot of that was probably to counteract how much darker the core of Body Chemistry Two is, mm. um, to perhaps make it a little more palatable because of how much grimmer it is. Because right at its core, there's a real pitch black story. There's some darkness in the first film, but, but, but this. But that's that's the,
0: that's the irony, isn't it? Though, mm. because we spent so much talking about the first film, saying how dark it was and so sort of fetishistic and you know, um, <laughs> fingering Mark Singer in the shower. Mm-hmm. That should be like a good tape for an album, maybe. <laughs> um, and so, so you, you take that and then you start off this segment by saying how much darker the second film is. Mm. You wouldn't think it, but it's true. Yeah. And also, I mean, I'm going to ask this this question in relation to availability. Mm. Do you think the tone of the first film, but, but certainly the second film, is affecting its saleability in 2021 because essentially you know obviously you've got archer's character but the guy that she befriends the guy who she becomes obsessed with is of course dan Pearson, played by gregory harrison now dan is essentially a wife beater Mm -hmm. uh i mean this this is an issue because it's 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 a wife beater who lures Claire Archer. Claire Archer is obsessed with his wife Beecher and turned A wife on beat, by uh,
1: and um an abusive cop. Yeah. At the start of the film when we when we meet the Dan Pearson character, he's being kicked off the force mm. for you know being overly violent to yeah. perpetrators, mm. which in this day and age is, is extremely to- I don't actually think it could be any more topical no. right about now. And yeah, as you say, the themes within the movie you know, it it might not be dark in its execution, no.
2: mm-hmm.
1: but the, the thematic underpinning, of the domestic violence, um, you know, spousal abuse, all kinds of abuse, historic child abuse, suicide, it is a grim, grim movie in terms of theme. We're really selling this, yes, aren't we? we really are. <laughs> but but it's excellent. It is actually the yeah. drama mm. is fantastic, mm. Mm. absolutely fantastic. I know as well from speaking to Canson about it. Mm. He said that it, he believes, if he recalls correctly, that it was Corman's decision to make the film darker. Really, Corman wanted a darker, erotic thriller. What can I do for
3: you? Change the oil. Well, we got a full loop for nineteen ninety five, or I can uh, just change the oil for twelve ninety five. Well. Why don't we see how you do with the oil first, and then maybe we can work up
1: to the full loop. Obviously, in terms of the sex on show, it's actually this is probably the lightest in the series. Oh, There's actually only one real romp. Yeah, it's on the it. stairs. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah. The sort of the proto history of violence stair mm-hmm. romp, mm-hmm. which is uh, which is a great, great scene, by the way. Oh, I is. think that's um, you know that it's cross-cut with this formative experience that Dan who who we learn has been abused as a child Mm -hmm. so it's cross cut with this scene where he sees his dad giving his mum a rough going from behind and choking her and then of course you learn that the dad is a strict disciplinarian Mm -hmm. um, and then cross cut with that you've got Pescia riding him on the stairs bouncing on him like an Olympic trampoline (laughs) You know, and, and that's, he's blindfolded, his hands tied, and that is just a wonderful, to me, I've, I always interpret it as a dark and subversive practical joke of a saying. Yeah, yeah, okay. Okay, because mm. if you think about it, you know, you can imagine, you can imagine some mouth breather, you know, trying to get a little bit fist pumpy <laughs> to it because, ooh, Lisa is boobies, Lisa mm-hmm. Pessier's bum. Um, yeah, she is as we've said, extremely hot and yes, she looks phenomenal with no clothes on Mm -hmm. but then, at the same time, you've got her nude scene her big nude scene in the film intercut with shots of domestic violence childhood trauma psychotherapy and well to be quite frank about it if you're looking for cheap thrills and wanking material that (laughs) sort of stuff ain't going to get you going if you're a normal person no so uh, so I I do think that that there is a certain sense of Adam Simon and Canson, okay, Corman wanted this, a dark movie. <laughs> let's make it a dark movie, and let's really try and mess with the people who are going to be watching it, expecting just yeah. cheap thrills. Yeah. Oh, and it yeah. works brilliantly.
0: It does. I mean, one of the darkest scenes, for me, only in terms of dialogue, is um, one of the calls that Claire gets as she's hosting her show. Mm. And the lady asks Claire... Ew, why does my husband hit me? And Claire responds by saying
3: Because it's the natural way. Fighting is linked to sex in many species. Uh, Fish, lizards, elk, deer, rabbits, mink, moose, monkeys, and men. I never thought about it that way. Yes, well, consider yourself lucky, Peggy. The male mink often bites right through the pelt of his lover's neck, severing all the neck muscles and arteries before copulation is even through. Really? Really. At least your boyfriend cares enough to hit you.
0: At least he cares enough to hit you.
3: I mean,
2: that's shocking.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and obviously the good thing, that scene, that underlines, at that point, whatever mask of sanity... Mm the Archer character is wearing, at that point, that's when Pesci has ripped it off. And she's Mm. got, she is now in full, obsessive stalker mode of the Dan Pearson character, who, as you say, is a disgusting wife beater. Mm. Albeit one who's trying to better himself, and that's how he ends up catching the attentions of Claire, because he, you know, rings up to the show, and he becomes the voice of a stranger. She susses out that it's him, yada, yada, yada.
0: Well, that's the thing, isn't it? We need to make the, clarify how how the two come to meet and you you just uh, underlined it there but there's one aspect in that isn't there Mm. because Dan is coming back to town Mm. and he rekindles a a love interest that he had many years ago with Brenda played by Robin Riker which is fine but the, the issue that some people might have is that Brenda happens to be the call screener for Claire Archer's show Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so although they've reconnected in a previous scene and although she knows that Dan is in town Brenda listens to Dan on the phone doesn't recognise who he is and puts his call through to Claire who of course Claire had three calls ahead of him Mm. but naturally because Dan has a uh, a desire and a a, a love for rough sex um, that's what catches Claire's eye and Yeah. It it is
1: a bit of a logic leap that she doesn't recognise his voice, especially as he doesn't disguise it. No. Stuff. However, what I really, really love about it is Mm. the sense of there is almost like a pitiful element to Claire's character in Mr to, to the Claire Archer I character think, in this yeah. film where that you know that she's found her kindred spirit that she would be quite she's really into that sort of sadomasochistic side of it and she enjoys being roughed up mm. and I think it's fascinating that she's making overtures to him and pretty much wanting like a violent and Nutty sexual relationship with him while mm. he's trying to hold it in and become. I, I think the dynamic between them is fascinating. But mm. she's actively pursuing someone who is an abuser. Yeah, and he's trying to shun her <laughs> to stop his worst impulses mm-hmm, from mm-hmm. rearing their head again. Oh yeah, and I think that is it's it's fascinating, particularly the scenes in uh, in in which. Lisa Pesci and Harrison are playing off against each other. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, there's a great dynamic to them. She does a lot of talking. She, you can see, her, you know, trying to catch him out with her verbiage and things like that. And he's just silent and just soaking it all in. Mm. You can tell that he's intrigued by her. There's this really, there's a wonderful, wonderful um, scene in the junkyard, where you can, where when she's rumbled Mm. that. Dan is the secret caller who's been ringing in, where he's got his back to her mm. and he's outlining all these weird things that he thinks and that he needs, like therapy and all that. And mm. you can, you know, she's rubbing her neck and she can <laughs> completely see that she's very titillated mm. by it. And there's that danger of her as a character and that sort of frenzy and the madness. And mm. it's so, it's, it's wonderful watching her, watching Pescia go through those emotions.
0: Yeah. How do you think that Gregory Harrison deals with the material? I think he's he's fantastic he's
1: excellent yeah he's every bit as good as Pescia is yeah I think but then again the same with Mark Singer mm, I think Mark mm. Singer made an excellent foil for her in the first body chemistry because Harrison
0: has a previous you know a couple of years later he was uh, in, in one of my favourite erotic thrillers from the 90s which is Howard Evans mm, uh, mm. which William, William C. Martell uh, wrote and I thought he was great in that mainly you know associated with TV for a long time stuff like uh, Falcon Crest and, and, and Trapper John but I think he can he can match uh, Lisa Pescia sort of step for step mm. here yeah, I definitely. Think. absolutely superb and I think he brings out the best in, in her as well mm. because she, she uh, amazing that she was in the first film I think she equals it mm. easily with ease in, in the second film Adam Simon didn't want to do this as we Talked about, but he 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 does a good job here, you know. um, Considering he'd gone to do Carnosaur, you know, two Mm. two years later, the mighty Carnosaur, you know, in in that three film,
1: that common triumvirate that he made. Yeah, I mean, Mm. this is
0: this is an odd one for him. I do
1: think this is his best film. The three out of I mean, Brain Dead I think is excellent. Mm. Carnosaur I think my love (laughs) for Carnosaur is well documented, Mm. but this is. I do think that this is his masterpiece of the Corman era Mm. Um, I do feel that we have to point out though that as dark and as grim it is there is a sense of humour to the film as well Mm. you know you've got Clint Howard popping up as a blackmailer (laughs) which is fabulous Mm. Um, and then you've got the the wonderful scene that is just a masterclass in sexy comedy Mm. sexy bawdy daft comedy between Claire and Morton <laughs> Downey's Chuck character yeah. especially as you know she's frolicking around in a dominatrix outfit she looks the business and yeah. she's playing her like an absolute clown like you know just tickling him with a feather and things like that mm-hmm. uh, and that it's a very very funny darkly funny admittedly scene <laughs>
3: oh, well doctor archer don't we have a great imagination what in the world? <laughs> Must be raining out. You've got your raincoat on tonight.
2: I know that's not a bathing suit, but I do know that I am more than willing to dive in. Do
0: you feel any empathy for um, Gregory Harrison's character? I mean, however much of a an asshole he is, do, do you feel just a it's, it's, tr- it's
1: tricky because, you know. It's, because surely he's on you the You don't path to redemption. want to relate to anyone like that. <laughs> he's, a, he's a woman beating shitbag. He is. But then, as you learn that he's a, a victim of his raising, mm-hmm. where he's literally turned into his father and stuff, and that he's trying to better himself, it is quite heartbreaking that he's trying to change who he is, but ultimately he can never escape. These desires that are within him, these desires that are embodied by, again, one of the greatest temptresses in erotic thrilldom, Dr. Mm. Claire Archer.
0: Yeah, yeah. It was given a really interesting look, as we discussed, um, by Richard Michalak. Uh, he had a great year in 1991, didn't he, the DP? Mm. Um, when you think of it, he did Guilty as Charged for Sam Irvin. He did Children of the Night for Tony Randall. Mm-hmm. And he did Body Chemistry too. I mean, they're three great films yeah. from one year, which yeah. is uh, pretty p- tremendous, to be honest. I always consider um, the Body Chemistry series a bit like Tapas. Mm. You know, it's like a couple of four mini dishes mm. that you all have You have different you know, desires for. Some days you might want the hot one. some days you might mm. want the, 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 this quite soft, sort of easy starter. But... This is, the, this is the gnarly one that gives you a bit of indigestion. <laughs> um, but it's, it's superb. It really is superb.
2: All right, all
3: right. You've pulled a few stunts. You regretted yourself. Yeah, yeah. You want me to drive you home? Are you kidding? Franny thinks I'm in New York. That's where I'm headed. Why don't you take that with you? Take a good look at it. That's the uh, Claire Archer project. Look, Bob, the only project I'm interested in right now is Inheritance of Valor. I'm really counting on you, Bob. Don't count on me. I'm a corporate guy, but do us both a favor and take a look at this while I'm gone.
0: Now, if we look at the third film, we've got a new addition, and that comes in the shape of Jim Mm Winoski, and it's quite fortuitous that we happen to have the world's leading expert on Jim Winoski in the (laughs) (laughs) room. You are too (laughs) kind. So let's let's speak about Sunset Films and how that came about.
1: Okay, so Sunset Films was formed by Jim Winoski and actor-slash-producer-slash-director-slash-general low-budget renaissance man Andrew Stevens. Mm. And it was formed by them, who, in 1994, to serve as the sort of low-budget, non-theatrical video and cable subdivision of mm. Paul Hertzberg's Cinetel Films. Oh, right. okay. Now, how Body Chemistry 3, Point of Seduction, came about was that Stevens and Wynorski, they were... Stevens had brokered a deal with Corman a few mm. years before whereby he would make and star in The Terror Within 2 mm-hmm. with the agreement that he could make a second film with Roger afterwards okay. that second film would ultimately be Body Chemistry 3 right um, when asking and Stevens they were looking through Corman's catalogue to try and find a project that they thought he would be interested in and mm. they were looking at his recent successes And among those recent successes were Body Chemistry and Body Chemistry Mm 2. So they went to Roger, said, we'd like to make Body Chemistry 3. And he just said, go ahead. Right. So a script was knocked up by Jack Canson again. Mm -hmm. Although, even though he's credited in the final film, ultimately, Wynorski and a lady by the name of Catherine Kelly, who would go on to write Hard Bounty with Jim Wynorski they were the ones who fashioned his script into the version that made it before cameras the reason for that was, as Canson explains that Wynorski is very, very much even though he himself (laughs) is reluctant to admit it and he would shun any sort of hint otherwise that Wynorski loves being the auteur and the Mm. driving creative force behind his projects so that's how Body Chemistry 3 came about
3: Good evening. This is Looking at You, and I'm Dr. Claire Archer, your host. In the next hour, we'll be meeting people who invite us into their private worlds and share their deepest secrets. We make no judgments. But as a clinical psychologist, I'll offer some practical solutions. Caller number one, Margaret, we're looking at you. I shouldn't be doing this. And why not? Well, I have a compulsion to um, take my clothes off when I know people are looking at me. Well, Margaret... People are looking at you right now. For those people
0: that perhaps don't read The Schlock Pit, because there will be some, I don't know how.
1: Bastards they are.
0: Bastards. Explain why Jim Wynorski is a
1: legend. Oh, man, how long have we got? <laughs> 30 seconds. Go. <No. laughs> he he creates some of the most thrilling and consistently entertaining B-movies out there. He knows his audience he knows the exact kind of films that the people that he's making them for will lap up. And he does them incredibly well. And he makes them to the best of his ability.
0: Okay, but uh, from a controversial point of view, is Body Chemistry 3 the weakest in the series? <sighs> but that sounds that sounds detrimental. Yes, it's, that's, it's, it sounds, that sounds far too okay, negative. Let's not go the weakest then. It's the least amazing. <laughs>
1: yeah, like look, there is a great deal to like yeah. and even mm-hmm. love yeah. about Body Chemistry free. The premise is ingenious. That's
0: insane, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, so you've got you got Robert Forster. Now we'll get onto Robert Forster a bit later on mm-hmm. because you know I think that's probably the only opportunity we'll get to speak about Robert Forster in anything we do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but Robert Forster is a TV mogul. Mm-hmm. Right, and Andrew Stevens is one of his producers, uh, playing the character Alan Clay, and he's tasked with bringing the life of Claire Archer to the screen. Mm-hmm. So,
1: in a sort of what would what from what I take from the plot mm-hmm. and everything that they talk that they talk about and things like that, they're trying to turn her story into what we now know as a lifetime TV yeah,
0: movie. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Alan Clay, of course, is married to Beth Cheney. Mm-hmm. Played by Morgan Fairchild. And Morgan Fairchild at the time was a renowned kind of soapy actress. Mm-hmm. And here she's playing a renowned kind of soapy actress. Yeah. So there's all kind of meta references and stuff like that. It, it's really trippy. It's really um, ambitious, isn't it?
1: Yeah. you know, And, and, and as a Wynorski movie, it's an idea that he has a lot of fun with. Because, mm. you know, his handling of the material, it's typically muscular, very stylish, mm. Riley histrionic in that quintessential, <laughs> not quite tongue-in-cheek, but sort of pantomime over over-the-top way. Well, I, I think, sorry to interrupt, I
0: think that it's in, that's encapsulated by the, the first two entrances by the new Claire Archer, who of course is played by uh, Shari Shattuck.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: the first entrance and the second entrance are both very similar. In that they both have a bolt of lightning.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: They both have a blue tent. And it's like an old Dark House movie.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the, in terms of the actual mechanics of the plot, Wynorski, he really, really sinks his teeth into the behind-the-scenes machinations of Ooh. how a sort of cheesy, low-budget TV <laughs> movie is pulled together. There's a lot of, like meta-fun to be Mm, had especially in like the moments where you've got Robert Forster where where he's barking these (laughs) ridiculous but no doubt very very accurate Mm. lines like I'm ready to cut off my dick for a sexy woman in peril story you're offering me a grandmother trying to save birds but here's the thing right as well done and entertaining as it is there is a huge huge inescapable drawback to Body Chemistry 3 in that it's not quite right as a body chemistry film right um and a lot of that for me it rests on the recasting Mm. you know we'll get on to shattuck in a in a second as claire archer yeah but in in body chemistry 3 we're reintroduced to the character of freddie summers from the first film and quite frankly chick venera is no David Kagan. <laughs> I like
0: him though. I like, I like it. I do like him a lot, mm, yeah. Mm.
1: Do not get me wrong. If judged as a standalone film, which by the way, was Wynorski's intention. Oh it, right, this, okay. he did want to make it a standalone film. He wanted people who hadn't necessarily seen the first two mm. to enjoy it just as much as people who had seen the first two body chemistries. Mm. Same again when it came time to making body chemistry four. Mm, mm. But in Body Chemistry 3, the Freddie Summers character, he's abandoned science in favour of screenwriting, and he's the guy who's writing the Claire Archer story for Stevens. Yeah. And in the process, of course, trying to bring her to justice. Because, mm-hmm. you know, if you've got to this point, I don't think it's any any spoiler to say that she gets away with murdering her lovers twice. Yeah. Now, Chick Venner's interpretation of uh, Freddie Summers the womanising and the sage-like charisma of Kagan is gone, mm-hmm. and here Summers he's just another neurotic wannabe filmmaker type yeah, right. in that casting vein, I don't think any sort of damage is done by recasting Lisa, Pe- uh, Lisa Peshia. Okay, Lepesci would have been brilliant as Claire Archer in any guise. Mm. And it would have been fantastic to see her in Body Chemistry 3 and Body Chemistry 4. But as Wynorski is the auteur, he he wanted to see someone slightly younger, in his words. Yeah. He wanted to just see someone a bit uh, with a more fresher face. In the part. Mm. So obviously he casts Shari Shattuck, who in a weird twist of fate had worked with Body Chemistry's director Christine Peterson on her excellent yeah. thriller, Lower Level. Yeah.
3: It's Freddie Summers, do you want to take it out there? Uh, no honey, thanks. I'll take it in the office. Okay. Freddie. I almost forgot about him. I want to fuck you right here, right now. You're a very unusual woman, Claire. More than in your wildest dreams. I guess if you weren't, I wouldn't want to make a movie about you, would I? No. You wouldn't.
1: She's she's good. Yeah. She's good. My my big criticism of Shatuck, though, is that she is too young to mm-hmm. convince as a seasoned... Uh, psychoanalyst. You know, yeah. she, she looks like she's probably just graduated from psychotherapy school mm, rather mm, than mm. spending the last few years fucking and wrecking people's lives, <laughs> you know?
0: It's an adjustment, isn't it? Yeah. I mean I love her as an actress. I think she's great. She was great in Immortal Sins in ninety one. She does a great, great Hitchcockian um director video movie in nineteen ninety four with Matt McCoy uh, called Dead On. Which is brilliant and I love mm. that film. Uh, Kind of a stranger on the train riff, and here she's good, but it takes some time to adjust to her, yeah. And I think that that's that's the only criticism in that she's fine once she's established, but Mm. it's just that adjustment, especially if if you're if you're marathoning the whole uh series or watching them back to back, uh, then it is from from going from Lisa Pesha to Sherry Shattuck is a little bit of a jump, but it's fine. Don't, don't don't Yeah, don't it's, it. it's excusable mm.
1: if you really want to be persnickety about it like with Pescia there was always this sense that her version of Claire Archer mm. that she would do anything to yes. get and destroy yeah. her man but Shattuck she comes across as less an obsessive all consuming nightmare mm. and more of just a minor inconvenience yeah. and stuff she hasn't got that full that full nightmarish quality that Pescia has. Yeah, but
0: how much of that can we sort of pin at the door of Andrew Stevens? I mean, mm. we, we we love Andrew Stevens. I mean, yes. he is a an absolute icon uh, of a producer, of a director, of just establishing uh, so many amazing uh, director video films in the 90s. He is mm. an absolute legend. However, um, when it comes to a romantic leading man, in an erotic thriller, he's not the greatest.
1: He's very ineffectual. And we mean that with the greatest yeah, of respect. Yeah, with the greatest of respect to the guy because he has probably done more mm. for the erotic thriller yeah. than anyone else I can think of, with the, with the possible exception of Jag Yeah. Director Jagmundra, who Stevens of course worked with on Night Eyes. Mm. But what you said there about a romantic le- that's the thing. Mm. That's my issue with Stevens in Body Chemistry He plays him as yeah, a romantic yeah, leading yeah, man. Yeah. You know, in, in the previous body chemistries, the, the targets of Claire Archer's obsessions, they were real and flawed individuals, mm, mm. often with a lot to lose personally and professionally. He, all Stevens' character, his, his on-screen marriage to Morgan Fairchild, that appears to be image and status-based to begin with. Yeah. Uh, and he, he's just got this this awful, disingenuous, oh shucks <laughs> kind of reaction to every plot twist. And it's as if like it's as if Stevens is terrified to admit that really his character is a philandering arsehole <laughs> and he just wants to play him as a guy who Well I'm a nice guy. I'm, mm. I'm a nice guy. Well, why is this awful stuff <laughs> happening to me? Oh damn tootin'. Mm. That's it.
0: I mean you had to know on the head. I mean both Harrison and Singer they were kind of weather beaten Men, and you can you can almost put yourself in that position uh, mm. to a degree. Um, but Stevens, yeah, I don't know whether it's, it's you, you don't you don't wish to you know say it was uh, Jack Canson's writing or or the the rewrites that went on after that. But there's something about um, it's an important lesson that the casting really does play a huge part yeah. in these erotic thrillers.
1: Yeah, but you know, again, there is a lot to savour with the movie despite the recasting I do enjoy the connections Mm -hmm. between Body Chemistry 3 and the first two movies Um, even though I find their ultimate execution a little lacking Mm. or well rather the delivery a touch disappointing because of the recasting and the ever so slight changes to characters mm-hmm. but in terms of the technical side of it i think for for the script that winorski working with winorski delivers mm-hmm. chuck serino's score yes. is fantastic yeah, chuck brilliant. serino of course mm-hmm. a long time collaborator of winorski who's their creative partnership continues to this day and his score is fantastic it really it's up there with his work on sorceress as far as i'm concerned as one of his best compositional works Mm. and there's a great there's a great pulp noir quality to don e fontleroy's lighting you know if you look at the if you look around claire archer if you look around shari Shattuck's eyes it's got that morticia adams effect and Mm -hmm. that's a very very nice touch and it works very very well here in body chemistry Three. so it's very stylish and it certainly it certainly fits better here than it did in Munchie Strikes Back, which <laughs> Fontaine shot for Wynorski, where yeah. for some strange reason they shot Leslie Anne Down like a femme fatale, <laughs> no Irish kind of character, even though she's the, the suburban mum in a yeah. kids flick. But hey, I guess that's because what married to Down, isn't he? So he probably wanted to make his his Mrs. Lookers hot and as sultry as possible even in the middle of a kid's flick indeed but it does work very very well in body chemistry free and mm. stylistically alone again it's got that robust and muscular sense of movement mm. that, when, oh, that that is the hallmark to many a good winorski film you know you shouldn't have tried to cut me out of that movie deal claire all i was trying to do was start a new career
3: let's talk about that career where'd you get that picture i've been doing my homework you're in big trouble, you know that? I may even have you nailed for murder. Shut up, Freddy. I didn't come here to fight. I came here to fuck.
0: You, you spoke to Winovsky, uh for a while. Uh, how did you find him?
1: <laughs> I love the man. I think he's fantastic, <laughs> but he fucking hates me. He hate, I think he hates me with a passion. Mm. Um, I, I think I'm just a pain in his ass, to be quite frank. And... You know, he, he, uh, Jim, Jim Wynorski Jim mm. Wynorski. I I respect him. I think he's an absolute genius, but I really don't think he has any time for the sort of analytical <laughs> and interpretive bullshit that I subject him to.
0: Do you think that... Um, I mean, obviously, they don't get on these days, um, but do you think Andrew Stevens' involvement acts as almost a harness for Wynorski a little bit? Do you think he can't completely... Be his auteuristic self with they with there producing? Do you think it held him back a tiny bit?
1: Mm, no, I think that from what I can gather about their partnership, Stevens, you know, it's very much how Stevens was with Fred Olin Ray as mm. well, just let them get on and make the movie. Right. And I think that under under Stevens' sort of gaze, Wynorski has made some extremely auteur movies, particularly if you look at his. The sort of um, military hardware type thriller mm. pictures that he made at the turn of the millennium and things like that, and then even things like Vampirella, which, even though Winoski hates it, drips Winoski, yeah, you know, and yeah. that was produced by Stevens. I don't think there's any sort of creative interference from the part of Stevens. I think that he was pr- likely just encouraging Winoski to "quote unquote" do his thing.
0: Mm. Uh, shout out for obviously Stella Stevens, who mm-hmm. appears as always. Uh, she was in uh, Andrew's pe- mum, of course. Yeah, kind of a history in, in these films. She was in Jagmundra's Last Call, wasn't she? Mm-hmm. And The Woman Scorned uh, with her son, which sounds rather perverse.
2: Um,
0: <laughs> and um, and of course, yeah, Robert Forster, who who nowadays um, we, we 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 sort of consider his career to be post Jackie Brown only, uh, mm. almost mm-hmm. in some circles. But around this time, I mean, he was he was feeding on scraps to mm. to, a, to a degree, um, but he still did some great roles. I mean, I know, obviously, Scanner Cop has suddenly entered the public sphere, uh, and he was in the sequel, uh, Scanner Cop Two.
1: Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, yeah, due to its, yeah, it's, it's completely.
1: Really I was wondering
0: sure. where you were going. I was like, yeah, because it's obviously come out on Blu-ray, and before mm. Blu-ray, it, it didn't exist. <laughs>
1: um, I met Peace uh, Peacemaker. Is it Peacemaker No, Peacekeeper. Peacekeeper. Peacekeeper, the Kevin Tenney film. That's right. He's good... excellent in that as yeah. well. As well oh, yeah. Is he or isn't he a psycho alien?
0: But yeah, I mean, if he's not or not, he did some great roles. I mean, uh, Fred Williamson had him in South Beach, and that was a cool little film. Uh, and also, after Bloody Chemistry uh, 3, he went on to do a couple for uh, Bill Lustig and Larry Cohen in Original Gangsters and Uncle Sam, mm-hmm. which were pretty awesome as well.
3: I'm compulsively early, Dr. Claire Archer. Call me Claire. Won't you sit down? Thank you. My wife Amy is an editor at Masters Publishing. Swears by your book, quotes it often. Well, one of the problems with writing an explicit relationship manual for the bedroom is you get quoted at the most inopportune moments. Yes. Well, um, what can we do for you, Dr. Archer? I need counsel. It seems I've become the prime suspect in the murder of Alan Clay, you know, the TV producer.
0: Why have we begun by covering this franchise first? I mean, we could have begun anywhere. There's 100, 150, maybe 200 films of this era, direct-to-video erotic thrillers. So why does body chemistry make sense to start with?
1: Well, other than the fact that they're amazing and I just pretty much press-ganged us into, like, we have to do body chemistry first. We have to do all the body (laughs) chemistries first. Uh, Other than that... What I really love about the series is that you can track the direct-to-video erotic thriller trajectory Mm. through it. I know that we said that the first film did play in limited release stateside, but for most of the world, it was straight-to-video. Particularly here in the UK, it was a straight-to-video title Mm -hmm. released via 2020 Vision, if memory serves, Mm -hmm. as was the sequel. So the first film... That's important because it's the start of the erotic thriller epoch. It is, you know, ground zero. Yeah, it was a fatal attraction rip off right down to the most amusingly shameless <laughs> rip off bit where a boiled crab replaces a boiled pudding. <laughs> you know, so that's the start. That's for okay. This is the start of us lifting these Hollywood movies and making director video type mm-hmm. versions of mm-hmm. it. The second one, that was as the erotic thriller was starting to pick up steam, so it went straight to video and it started sitting comfortably on shelves with all the other erotic thrillers that were starting to pop up. Number three is, I don't want to call it the auteur vehicle, you know, because Christine Peterson is a phenomenal auteur. Adam Simon, a phenomenal auteur. But three is the erotic thriller auteur vehicle in the sense that Andrew Stevens is involved, Jim Wynorski is involved, you know, that is two of the biggest names within the erotic thriller Mm -hmm. epoch, Mm -hmm. of the director video kind anyway and then you've got this one, Body Chemistry 4 from 1995, Body Chemistry 4 Full Exposure, which is really, as the entire erotic thriller trend was starting to wane in popularity, Mm -hmm. you know, it was starting to peter out at this point, so you can track the series' highs from its beginnings to where it's picking up steam with body chemistry 2 to where it's right in the middle of this most lucrative trend in vi- then video history mm-hmm. to number 4 where the wheels are starting to come off this thing yeah but not in terms of quality no no, you no. Know, not in terms of quality because body chemistry 4 it it, it it it's an improvement over body chemistry 3 and even though body chemistry 3 is still very entertaining body chemistry 4 is better than 3
0: is it wrong or misjudged to say that, in some ways, you could view three as being the setup and four being the payoff.
1: No, that's very good. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, that's a very good... Uh... Because you
0: could look at it that way. Mm. In the, they're so intrinsically linked mm. Mm. Um, that they're, they're, they dovetail beautifully together. Mm. And for the first time, you mentioned Karen Kelly having uh, some of the rewrites for mm. the third film. It's here that she has the sole credit. Yes. I mean, she's an old hand at this kind of thing. She, I think she did 11 uh, films of this era. She did a lot of erotics, didn't she? Yeah, mm. She did stuff like uh, Illicit Dreams, A Woman Scorned. She did a Poison Ivy movie as well. Mm-hmm. Was it three or four? I think
1: three, was it? Oh I think, yeah.
0: Um, so, yeah, she knows how to formulate these scripts. Mm. And I, I think she does a, a great job.
1: Yeah, very, very much so. As a whole... Body Chemistry 4 is a very, very good end to the series. Mm, mm. But again, that's despite the absence of Lisa Pescia as Claire Archer. That does still sting a little because the Mm. character as she's presented here is much more in tune with the character from Body Chemistry 1 and Body Chemistry 2. Mm -hmm. Again, it's directed by Jim Wynorski. And the big plus here is that he returns to the serious, well, the more serious tone of Body Chemistry 1 and Mm. 2. We've discussed he's quite a rambunctious and mischievous filmmaker. And, you know, Body Chemistry 3, as we said, that was pitched fairly broad. But if you like Wynorski, you are probably... Well versed in the fact that his occasional dips into straight uh, and more serious territory they often yield brilliant results, mm. you know. So, just look at the haunting of Morella or A yeah. Blaze mm-hmm. or Sorceress, which is, you know, the, the perfect bedfellow for body chemistry, for thanks in part to its lead, Larry Poindexter, mm-hmm. effectively playing the same role here. Simon, mm.
3: got a minute? Oh, yeah, I got a minute. I'm going to trial in the morning, and I'm completely unprepared. My client is full of surprises, and Lane has picked this particular time to go insane. Yeah, I got a minute. Lane came into my office earlier, ranting and raving that you were having an affair with one of our clients. Is that true? (laughs) No. Lane is acting like a possessive child. She's had a problem with Dr. Archer ever since she walked in the door. Good. I told you you're too smart for that, that you'd never have an affair with a client. Good luck in court.
1: So in Body Chemistry 4, Poindexter, he plays a guy called Simon Mitchell, who's the high-flying defense attorney who comes... He's employed by Archer after she cherry-picks him to represent her in the murder trial for Alan Clay, who, of course, was the TV producer that Stevens played in the last movie. Mm. Uh, And basically, the thrust of the plot is a courtroom drama where... (laughs) Talking <laughs> Claire Archer is part of the deal, basically.
0: Yeah, so we've got, we've got a new Claire Archer, haven't we? Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget her name. Go on, remind me.
1: It's an actress who's never done anything before. I or
0: think since. Um, Tweed Shannon oh, I Tweed. Shannon Tweed. Rings a bell. I've seen, Tweed. Her, I've seen her somewhere before. But no, I mean that adds a weird dimension to it, doesn't mm-hmm. it? I mean, here is this, this the er- Queen, the Queen of the straight to video erotic thriller. Mm-hmm four or five years in from her first you know first yeah, yeah. first date her debut in in this in this in this mm. genre mm. and here she is doing the fourth entry in the body chemistry series yeah it's quite unique uh, one that she doesn't own the whole she didn't children in these for the start that's mm. fine but it's unusual for her to come in so late but she yeah. makes a great impression
1: oh she's she's very uh, She's very, very good. Mm. I really yeah. like her iteration of Claire Archer a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, as well as looking phenomenal, because as we said, she is the queen. Mm. She's the queen of this. As an actress, Shannon Tweed, she is too rarely given the credit that I think she deserves for her like creative choices. Mm. Um, and. In Body Chemistry 4, it's kind of, it's a bit like Sherry Shattuck in number three at first because it's kind of jarring, but she's got this strange spidery physicality Mm. that she sort of evokes in Body Chemistry 4, and that pays dividends by the film's Mm. clothes when her, she's got this iciness about her. And even Wynorski, when I spoke to him about it, he said that she comes across as quite aloof on screen, and that was the presence that he wanted for this version of Claire Archer. And she's that iciness, it's kind of tough to accept to begin with, especially when you compare it to how Lisa Pescia, at first in Body Chemistry 1, she sets like this charming trap where she comes across as sort of demure and nice and pleasant and stuff. Mm. But it really, Tweed really works in Body Chemistry 4, this spidery quality, when she flips what what I'd call the Black Widow switch. Mm -hmm. You know, when she goes full on obsessive psycho lady.
3: I made a mistake, Claire. I should never have let things go as far as they have. This is, at the very least, unethical, and it has to stop. Now, I love my wife. Simon, you just can't switch off something this passionate. I can, and I will. Now, if our encounters can't be at a professional level, then I will remove myself from this case. No, you're not walking out on me. You're not gonna leave me, and you're not gonna leave this trial. If you try to withdraw from this case, I'll make sure everyone knows you've been fucking me.
0: For me, um, I think one of the most genius aspects of the film is the fact that we've had a threesome in the first three movies. But for number four, we got a foursome. Yeah, yeah. And that is a great twist, isn't it? To explain, obviously, you've got the guy who is uh, Summer Mitchell. And he's, he, three women are obsessing over him. Yeah, Which is yeah. quite something. Obviously, uh, Shannon Thread in the role of Claire Archer. You have his, sec- is his secretary or his assistant? His assistant, assistant Lane. Assistant, yeah. uh, Lane Goodrin, played by Martin Martin, um, who we saw at Steve Barnett's um, Mind Warp a few years prior. And then, of course, we have his, his doting uh, wife, uh, mm. the great uh, Leslie Ryan from, from The Assault. And it's a really unique foursome. You know, this it's, guy it's is great. in heaven. Yeah. I mean, they're all very attractive women. Yeah. Especially... Um, Especially um, uh, Lane, I, th- I think she's she's probably the most attractive woman in the, mm, in, in, the, the film. in the ensemble, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And yeah, it's really. I love how you've got. So you've got his wife, mm. and you've got his secretary, who is ostensibly his work wife. Yeah. Uh, and then you've got Claire Archer leading him, leading Poindexter's character <laughs> on a merry dance. Mm. And she's manipulating his wife and his work wife against each other to make his wife think yeah. that he's having an affair with Lane rather than mm. fucking his client player. And, yeah. it, and it, it's, it's that dynamics, straight. it leads to a few good, like, really darkly farcical situations. Oh,
0: yeah. But that ruse goes far into the film, mm. doesn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, like, so, as you say, the triangle thing, It it, it isn't just a triangle between him and his wife and Archer... She's the per- Lane. The Lane character is the perfect patsy mm. for what Archer's trying to do. Yeah. And and the the funny thing is that Lane is the only one who seems to know <laughs> that Archer is a fucking psychopath. Genius. And it it's wonderful. It's a great dynamic. And they all mm. all four of them, even Poindexter, who is a touch bland. I think. Yeah. yeah. I do think he, he makes for a better male foil than you know the nauseously earnest Stevens. Uh, who, again, does produce and does appear in a flashback here. Um, But he does elicit, like, at least a modicum of sympathy when he realises that, well, he's been fucked in more ways than one. (laughs) Yeah. And it it leads, of course, to to that great line. There's a great, great line where he says...
3: This is just a bad error in judgement by a very weak man.
1: When he explains his behaviour, and that's like... It's this great moment of self awareness. Mm. And I think it, it speaks to all the body chemistry leads, even the really all shuxy Stevens. And, and it's wonderfully fitting because it's pretty much his final line in the last film of the series and it sort of sums up the saga's male characters to a T. Oh yeah. And and again it links back to what we've said where, you know, this series is unafraid to make the men look like the assholes <laughs> but they are.
0: Yeah. And my notes are at the point dexter looks like a little bit like a virgin uh, dating the sultriest girl in town. Mm. It's completely out of his depth, but he suits him. Mm. Uh, but there's a yeah, there's a great great line.
1: He doesn't like talking about his uh, erotic thriller work. Now, oh, really? Apparently, when asked, yeah, he's he's now a family man. So you know, I think it's seen as it's probably not advisable for him to talk about all the uh, erotics oh. he appeared in and all the naked women he was rolling around on a film set with so but hey fair play to him. he's very good he's, very, he's good in this and he's extremely good in Sorceress which I cannot stress enough
0: yeah he on to do a few hardware movies as well didn't he in mm. the he yeah, yeah. uh, did three strategic commands steal sharks and time of mm. the fire
3: Simon Wait. where are you what have you done I did what had to be done Lane, you've got to tell me. You don't know what's at stake here. You've got to lose this one, Simon. Trust me. Lane, you talked to the prosecution, didn't you? I consider this an enormous betrayal, Simon. Claire. Simon? Simon, is that her? Is she there? Hang up the phone. Simon, what's happening? How could she know? How could she know?
1: there's a couple of things that i think we should draw attention to Mm -hmm. though um again going back to the the lane character that she's when you watch the film she's our way in and it's her it's how perceptive she is as a character that informs winorski's visual approach right so visually he sort of he employs the same it's a lot more subdued and naturalistic than he's more over the top you know robust and chunkily mm. lensed movies it, it, it's more of a naturalistic style that he experimented with in Victim of Desire but it's used here to greater effect and there's this real nice sense of observation to body chemistry for as if as if Winorsky's just simply letting us watch the story unfold yeah, and, yeah. And, it, and it is a great story you know you've got the erotic thrills you've got some i guess you could criticize how the sex scenes here you know it's the same in number three. There's no sense of kink or danger to them like there no. was in the first They're all very vanilla. You know, the most the most risky thing about them is occasionally Tweed will get flipped over for a bit of doggy. You know, but, it's not like... It lacks the S&M kind of that. Both
0: the sex scenes and the style are a little bit template-orientated. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. For, from the early on, you have the sax, you have the silhouettes, you have the rain, you have the blue tint. Mm. It's kind of the the, 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 the template of of the uh, yeah but that's fine you know we're in 1995 now Um, Mm. so perhaps the ingenuity has slightly softened it's just Mm. a case of getting it on the screen
1: yeah and to that end I guess that like you know coupled with the with the sort of chilly cinematography by Zoran Hochstadter who Mm. you know is another Wynorski stalwart long time collaborator there's a lot of blues. There's a lot of whites, and I guess that, like the vanilla and sort of detached elements of the sex, mm. that links in with how detached Archer is as a character, particularly in this uh, this version played by Shannon Tweed.
0: They did 14 films together. Does, does he have that style in, in most of?
1: No, it's few, no, it's uh, few and far between. That this is probably the most sterile. Look. Really? It's almost Cronenbergian, you know. It's got that mm. sort of dead ringers kind of sheen mm. to it. I think.
0: But I, I like. I like. See, you, you were speaking to me off there about how you think that number four kind of embodies the shrinking budgets. Mm, mm. Um, but I, I was quite content with it to be. I to me it didn't stand out as much. I thought the house in which they they lived, in mm. um, which um, Point Dexter's character lived, which you seem to recognise, was very lavish and very well-dressed yeah
1: I think it's, it's appeared in a bunch of Wynorski right. movies and Fred Ray movies and again well. the
0: courtroom scene I thought was was, was mm. fairly uh, I
1: mean the, the courtroom set is astounding I extreme. think that like you know one thing that I'm I really really like about mm. Body Chemistry 4 is is the elements of courtroom thriller mm. I think that that's some really you know there's, there's a bit where you've got the DA and she's questioning the voiceover expert oh, and then yeah. the, Bob, uh, the Bob Sibley character who's mm. now sadly Robert Forster he couldn't <laughs> appear yeah. in Body Chemistry Forge; due was a scheduling issue right. um, so instead they got Frank Holliday to appear but when the DA is questioning him if that's just a really good bit of courtroom drama I think it's very snappily scripted really crackling dialogue and, and very well directed on Wynorski's part um, and I, I do like the courtroom aspects particularly, particularly the topicality of them mm. you know, if uh, I don't think it's any sort of big leap to say that there's definitely shades of O.J. Simpson in Body Chemistry 4 you know, if you look at the timeline yeah. of the O.J. Simpson trial the jury, they were sworn in the 9th of November 1994 mm. the opening statements were made on the 24th of January ninety-five. Simpson was acquitted the 3rd of October ninety five, and Body Chemistry 4 that was released on US Video on the 19th of September 1995 so it was 100% getting made while the trial was going on and yeah. as, as, as these things do whether it was intentional or not certain aspects of real life of this big massive media event did bleed into the mm-hmm. film I'm sure, you know if you look at if you look at the comparison between OJ's trial and Claire Archer's fictional in the movie trial yeah. you know, both they're both presided over by an Asian American judge <laughs> uh, and come on like, like that wasn't an intentional illusion, <laughs> oh, all the talk of media hype and it being like a high profile c- mm, trial mm. of the century and then you've got the female prosecutor slash DA, you know th- there's definitely allusions to OJ yeah,
0: yeah okay, so that's Pretty much the whole franchise, done, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, there was
1: never any talk of a number five. I wasn't don't, there? I want to ask you, no. Um, supposedly, Corman they got the numbers back from Bonnie mm. Chemistry Four, and while it made a little bit of money, yeah. um, it was well the trend's dying. Right. Let's not return of a well too much.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So, um, I mean, eleven episodes to go. Mm-hmm. We're not going to stipulate exactly where we're going, um, but it's going to be fun, isn't it? mm-hmm And hopefully people will see in each successive episode that pretty much everything stems from body chemistry, whether it be actors, producers, writers, directors, um, the money man, everything stems from there and, Mm -hmm. um, it should be a pretty crazy journey.
1: This is one of the, what the, the big three sort of franchises.
0: Yeah. 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 So thanks very much for listening and, um, Join us for the next episode soon. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to head over to theshlockpit.com.
2: See you next time on Flash Noir.